0: Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So uh, also be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at Sports Infocast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And welcome back to episode number 106 of SIDCast. Happy to be here. Hopefully you guys read on our website at sidcast.fireside.fm about our upcoming changes that we will have uh, for the upcoming winter slash spring 2019 year. Um, My name is David Gibson, by the way. If you guys already don't know me, if you're new, I appreciate it. Uh, I don't care how you got here, how long you've gotten here, uh, but we're glad to have you here all the same. And speaking of those changes, uh, as we move forward, Forward, We've e- eclipsed 37,000 all-time downloads, um, and what we want to do is more. And that's what that article was all about, was doing more for us and doing more for you uh, to tell the SID story, to execute this mission, and, and to better tell the SID story from all angles. Uh, that being said, we will, if you if you read the article, on Monday we'll be opening up our inbox, uh, sportsinfocast.gmail.com. For um, applications to become a member of the SID Cast Huddle team. What that basically means is that you will be writing once a month, if you're selected, uh, once a month about, if I, one month I may give you a prompt to write about, maybe three things that really challenged you this past year. Um, other times it might be at your own discretion. Uh, we're not quite sure how to work out the details of that yet. Some of you somebody may be doing like a technology thing another person may be doing uh, another category but we, we don't know. we'll see where the wind takes us but um, there'll also be some video stuff involved with that. But we are super excited to have that and to open that up on Monday. That will run until Friday, February the 1st. And then we will take about a week or two to kind of evaluate, uh, talk to some of you guys who did apply. Um, There will be other specifics on our Twitter page that you heard in the uh, intro. But anyway, Twitter and Facebook page that is at SportsInfoCast at both of those platforms. Um, And then we will have the the SID story, and we're gonna spend a week, uh, with little excerpts, maybe some graphics of different reasons why, as telling the SID story is important. Uh, been behind the curtain for too long, in my opinion. Talking to all of you, I've done this 106 times now, uh, 107 technically, um, plus with all the countless other people I text nonstop, it seems like, uh, telling the SID story is something that has gone on unnoticed for too long and that that's part of our mission now is to tell that story tell your story so uh we will have more info on that next week if you don't know what i'm talking about go to sidcast.fireside.fm check out uh our newest blog post which was called 90 days 90 days is what that is called, and that's a goal-setting thing for me personally, and well, our, our goal is over in the next 90 days. But today, guys, we will kick off number 106 of episode SIDCast, and uh, we will talk a lot. I'm, I'm super happy about this one. Mental health. We'll talk about um, leaving the profession, joining the journalism department, and we'll even, as a leader and as a follower talk about detachment and that's a big thing here but first we will start off on episode number 106 of SIDcast with Wags as many as you know him as or James Wagner if you do not of the Colonial States Athletic Conference and his very first state sports information right here on SIDcast. <laughs>
1: Well, my first experience in sports information was when I was a freshman at Susquehanna. Um, I went to Susquehanna for broadcasting, for radio, because um, as one person said, I have a face for radio, so that's why I went into radio. <laughs> um, I, doing the sports is what I wanted to do. I did it in high school, and you know, working hand-in-hand with our sports information director at the time, Mike Falazzo, who was one of my mentors, um, I would work in the sports info office as my work-study job. Um, help with first of all, help with tennis stats. Everything else. Eventually, got into doing football, uh, football stats. Last three years, um, basketball stats. Got into the to the business, and then when I graduated, radio jobs were starting to become few and far between because of all the mergers at the time. Clear Channel was buying every radio station it could in America, um, and you know a town where you know back in the 70s and 80s you had a radio station that you know covered sports, hometown interests. Uh, those radio stations were disappearing. Those were hmm. being merged into uh, one central location. For example, um, the closest major city to Seals Grove is Harrisburg. So Harrisburg, out of one location, under the Clear Channel model, would manage Williamsport, Lancaster, Altoona, State College. So it was, it was, you know, yeah. blended down into one area. So. I applied for some sports information jobs, and my first job out of college was when I was 22 years old. I was a sports information director at Albright College. Albright was in our conference at the time at the MAC, started in July, and it was my first year. Um, did not have a very good first year, uh, did not last very long, um, just thought I was a little too young, got out of the business, um, but always wanted to get back into the business. And I think one of the things, one of the path that I chose at that time, was I went into newspaper because I was a radio guy and radio guys yeah. we write in one big paragraph we don't we don't write structured you know I can write a police story like a car accident story in 20 seconds you know the, 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 the nuts and bolts of who went when when or why but I went to newspaper now you take a 30-second story. Now you've got to expand it into 10 inches or 12 inches. So that helped my writing. So that when I went got back into the business in 04 at Wagner, I had a better understanding of writing and attention to detail. One thing that I tell tell students who are interested in this is that you take a journalism class. One thing that you have to one thing that would help you greatly is learn how to write an obituary. And the reason I say that is because um, obituary one thing that I learned in newspaper is that is that is the last time that that person may only be mentioned in the newspaper. That's their closing that's statement it. to yeah. say yeah. that's the wrap up of their life. So you want to get it right. You don't want to mistake where they were born, what they've done, you know, their military service. You want your attention to detail. And that's something that you need to do in a story. When you talk about, you know, a great game that you've seen or tell a feature story, make sure you have your facts right. And, Doing that for a year and a half, I mean, I, I did news, I did sports, I, I, I covered, you know, city council meetings, township meetings, mm-hmm. you know, different things, and you get that whole breadth of of doing different things, and then you can cover a story. So now, when you when I came back into sports info, so even though I was still doing the who, what, when, where, and why for for game stories, I could do feature stories now. I could yeah. tell ta- tell a story about a student athlete who, you know. Has a three five and works nights so they can go to school. So you know, it, the first my first experience wasn't great. You know, I was a little bit too young, but then I worked my way back into getting into this industry, and this is where I am today.
0: Yeah, and I want to ask you this before we kind of get into a couple other topics based on some of the things you've said. But what's your connection to sport? How was it like for you uh, growing up? Uh, did you know that you always wanted to go into sport? I mean, what did that path look like for you?
1: Yeah, I played I played football in high school. I played basketball in high school. I swam for a year. Uh, I was just always interested in sports. I, I always tell the story that, um, you know, I, I tell some of my students that come in that, you know, before ESPN, I mean, ESPN Sports Center. You waited for that eleven o'clock Sports Center, or the Sports Center that ran all day Saturday, just repeats itself. I mean, I predate back to when CNN used to do a sports show at eleven o'clock at night with Fred Hickman and Nick Charles. And so people don't know those names. Some of those people don't know those names, but mm-hmm. you know, Fred Hickman and Nick Charles—they were the, the one-two punch on CNN, and they did their highlights. And that's when CNN would just do straight news instead of doing their what their programming is now. So I was always interested in sports. Um, that's where I wanted to be in, um, you know, in high school, we had a TV station. I would do the sports report in the after in the, in the morning, during the morning announcements, um, you know, enjoyed my time, um, playing football. I played in the coal region area, uh, which is in North central Pennsylvania, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre. And for those of you that are familiar with football, you know, Texas is pretty big. Well, that's the version of, you know, Friday night lights in the coal region is the uh-huh. small towns playing Football. You know, I grew up in a town called Shimoken, which is 20 minutes east of Sealance Grove, where Susquehanna is, about an hour worth of Harrisburg. It's coal country. There's not a lot of things left there, there's not a lot of coal in the ground right now. Uh, but going in it in the 80s and 90s was football. And, you know, Shimokan was very good in football, so was the neighboring towns. And and that's where my sports, my love of sports started was because my dad would take me to the high school football games on Friday nights and they were events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, at one point you're, you're, in, you're in middle school and you want to be a pilot or you want to be a dentist or you right. want to be a lawyer. No, I mean, I, 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 once I got in high school, I knew sports was my, Forte, what I wanted to be, and when I graduated from college, you know, I, I came down for a. Remember, I came down for a broadcasting job fair, um, at a place right near Drexel, and Philadelphia, mm-hmm. major media market, top ten, unionized, hard to break in. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to uh, at the time it was ninety four WYSP. Now it's ninety four WIP, it's a sports radio station, but they had the Eagles So you could, I interviewed, I told the guy like I wanted to be on the help with the Eagles Sports Network, like doing engineering. And they were like, okay, like they, I knew, they knew that I knew what the, the, just behind the scenes of the broadcasting. So I've always been interested in sports. You know, it's, I've had chances to get out and, um, I just, I I just don't foresee anything else that I can do besides being in sports.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned the kind of, uh, the camaraderie that comes with a town with uh, revolving around sport. And I love those little, like, pit stop places. Usually, when we go on little road trips and things like that, we'll drive past very small, minute towns that you that people from Indianapolis and Fort Wayne mm-hmm. never even heard of, and um, I'm like, this is where it happens for them. They'll, they'll throw parades for these kids. Yes, Like, these kids yes. are rock stars, and that's and, where sport happens.
1: And I tell people all the time, tell people, you know, tell when I talk to, you know, because students ask me about sports when I'm here. Yeah. So one of the greatest basketball tournaments of all time, and I don't know if they still do it in Indiana, was the basketball tournament, the high school championship, because it was all divisions merged together, I believe. Uh,
0: not until 99, I think. 99, okay. Yeah.
1: So that you had one champion, you know, in basketball. And, you know, I talk about... You know, if you ever seen the movie Hoosiers, and some of them haven't, but if you've seen the movie Hoosiers, and, you know, with Hickory and, and the history of Hinkle, you know, I was in Indianapolis last year for the cha- for the convention. I flew mm-hmm. right over Butler. I thought Butler was downtown, by the way. I didn't really No, no. So far out, you know. And <laughs> yeah. the reason I say that was because when I was at Ursinus for eight years, our president at the time was Dr. Bobby Fong, who has since passed away, who was the Butler president. He was there when Butler got really good in the Horizon League, mm-hmm. so we would talk. I remember the first conversation I ever had with him, we were talking about sports and you know sports unified he would always say, like, when we were at Butler, we did this, and and Butler and and Ursinus, where I was at, you know, small schools, you know, small athletic programs, but there was that common niche of sports. So right. yeah, in, in central Pennsylvania, in north central Pennsylvania, it's football. Same thing out in the western part with Pittsburgh, with the city league and the, and the and the the towns that surround where Dan Marino, John Elway, Johnny mm-hmm. Unitas, Joe Namath came from. Those football oh, teams. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. When you go past those, like I was out in Pittsburgh in November, I was on the NCAA volleyball committee. And uh, um, you know, I drove past those towns and seeing the small football stadiums, and you know, people will think oh, it's not not too big, like the Texas-sized city.
0: Right, However, not much,
1: yeah. you know, like Aliquippa and, and Monaca and schools like that, and just seeing what the history was. I mean, it's it's amazing how sports, you know, unifies a town, like you said, with parades, and you know coming home from winning district tile and the fire engine's waiting for you and you're coming into town and the fire engine leads you through town to get back to the high school i mean it's 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 amazing it's great
0: yeah absolutely and um i think we we stopped doing that unified basketball they did did. my um, friend is
1: an athletic director just outside of fort wayne at garrett high school and they oh yeah yeah Yeah. yeah
0: yeah and um but several other sports still are unified Yes. Like it's completely okay. I'll say this and I'll just, before we get back to you and stuff, it was yes. completely unfair in high school. Oh, of
1: course. I can because, imagine, yeah,
0: because yeah, I, I was a cross country runner. My team and I had to go still go against the indie schools. We still had to go against the Columbus schools. But then the little tiny school across the river in Kentucky of 200 kids got to go to state. Mm-hmm. And yes. we had to fight through four levels. Yep. Of Carmel, of Ben Davis, of Warren Central, all those giant <laughs> schools. And it just it just wasn't fair, and it just made me mad. But um, there are still people who like to protest the uh, changing of that system. But um, anyway, getting back to some things that you had, uh, your first year in being yep. an SID, you said you were too young a little bit. I mean, what was that life like for you? What kind of things did you have to learn? Maybe some hard lessons that you had to learn yeah. that first year. That
1: balancing with 24 sports by yourself is hard balancing time trying to get media guides done trying not to fish everything the last minute time management i think that's where i got kind of in trouble and i was just too young mm-hmm. so learning now going forward now that was 18 years ago yeah um now i know that okay i budget my time and i've gotten better with lists i still have you know i enjoy the for me being when i was a newspaper you always like okay you have to finish your story by 11 o'clock or 10 because that's when we send out the plates so there's always in the back of my mind, okay, I have to have this story done by, um, like when I worked as an SAD at sinus, the Philadelphia, for the first run of the Inquirer, the deadline was 10 o'clock, and the first run of the Inquirer is the suburban edition. So it's, where sinus was, we were in Montgomery County, we were 20 miles outside the city. So that's Montgomery County, Chester. Um, even into the Allentown area. So that's the first run. They do a city edition later where they add more stuff in, but the printing plant is actually in Conshohocken, which is about 15 minutes outside the city. So knowing the back of my mind, I like, go, okay, when the game's at 8 to 945, I'm going to get one line in the Inquirer, and this is what I do. Like, they would always take football and men's basketball. They would take scores and everything else, mm-hmm. but men's basketball, Ursinus 76, Swarthmore 70, you know, Remy Cozart at 20 points as Ursinus, record, defeated Swarthmore record. Friday night in men's basketball play in the City Hall Conference. And that's all I get, and that's all yeah. I wanted. So yeah. you learn time management, you learn what deadlines are, and being a newspaper, then you know you know the back end of um, how it works. Like I just pitched the story um, to the Asbury Park Press about one of our student-athletes in the CSAC. And I emailed the guy this morning, and I said, okay, Steve, here's what we got. Here are the details. We have the story written for you. Let me know if you're interested. And if you give them as much information as possible or know what they need, don't feed them too much, don't feed them too little, you're able to, to get placement in a newspaper. Mm-hmm. So just learning time management and learning to make lists and prioritize, like for me right now, Monday mornings in conference work is player of the week and weekly. So I know from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., I'm busy. Yeah. And I, I'm busy doing our weeklies, making sure our conference reports are in, make sure our stats are right, making sure our film is right. And in the fall, it's Monday, Tuesdays. In the spring, it's Monday, Tuesdays. So, you know, it's just learning time management. And that's what I screwed up when I was young. And then it's and it's hard to be a one-person shop with 24 sports. You can't right, do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's impossible. And mm-hmm. Anybody will tell you that. Um, you know, and I tell SIDs nowadays that if you don't have football, you count yourself lucky because football is a three-sport monster. It's a lot of work. Depth charts, two deeps weekly notes game programs you're tied to the press box for three hours um because it's a stat intensive sport same way with volleyball same way with field hockey you know and then just learning how to prioritize things learning how to get stuff done is what makes sure what's made my life a lot easier to prioritize so you know time management was the hard part that i had to learn hard life lessons you know promising things that are not getting done and, and just you know you know, I just thought I'd be out of this industry, and I got back in, so I've learned from that. I
0: really have. You know, you and I kind of sort of had the same start in sports information. Um, for you, I was out of college. For me, it was my freshman year of college. Uh, we right. we did have 24 sports at the small college that I was at in Fort Wayne. I helped out with that, and then I left for a year, and I went yep. back home, and I worked in the news, actually. Yes. And here's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about is... Um, Because I didn't just cover sport. I was a sport director, quote-unquote, but I still had to cover crime. I still had to cover all that crap. But So what was it like for you maybe covering stuff that you didn't want to? I mean, for me, it was very difficult to kind of get that mental gear going and being like, man, I don't want to be downtown covering this city council meeting.
1: I think for me, what was the big – like I enjoy spot news. That's that's where I was good at with spot news. And I'll I'll tell a story about – it's 11 o'clock at night. We're done papers out i had to write i think i was at a a a school board meeting in in one of the schools neighboring schools i write up but nothing happened 10-inch story done okay so i'm sitting there just in case something happens and we always kept one page open just in case there was a breaking story so Uh you know you have the scanner in the background 11 o'clock there was a house fire in a village which is about five minutes from Shimokin up the road so fully engulfed house okay so my boss is like okay go out, write a story, you know, call me if it's a major deal. We have page 19 open, you know, and I remember I'm driving out. It's called Trevenden, it was a town called Trevenden, small village, driving out Trevenden road. And I'm, I'm, I'm driving out. It's a long straight road to this village. It's kind of sim. It's on the base of a mountain. It's between two mountains. Um, I get there, the house is fully engulfed. Now, the house is fully engulfed. Trevorton's a very small town. It's got one fire, one fire apparatus. They've got about ten firefighters. So Shimokin's coming in. Um, Shimokin's got a lot of fire companies. So you know, I'm trying to get details. Like, is anybody injured? What's did the, they pulled an old an old woman out of the house? A ninety year old woman. Uh, one actually was the township supervisor's Ed that I knew. So you know, I'm on the scene and I and I've learned. You learn how you know with crime. You learn how. To not get in the way, mm-hmm. you know, and I told them the fire police were always like, Look, I I, I know you're doing your yeah. job, you <laughs> your job, but I'm gonna stay out of the way. I'm not gonna get involved, I just need to do my job. And they're like, Okay, let me just stay out of the way. So I go over and start talking to Ed has an oxygen mask on, and I'm not getting up in his face. I said, Ed, can you tell me what happened? And he said, Okay, he's so I drove by, saw the house was fully engulfed, I pulled the lady out, and they're putting that they're putting the house fire out. So, okay. So I interview Ed for two minutes, just write a couple stories, and I'm about to go back to my car. And all of a sudden, I hear this giant crunch, and the house collapses. This is a three-story house, and it collapses. Wow. Right? And I'm literally, where I'm sitting right now at my desk, I would say I'm probably about 50 feet from the house. And the the wave of heat just hits me. And then all hell breaks loose because it's a collapse. The firefighters were all, there was one firefighter that wasn't out. So they clear the scene. I go back behind the house and I can see in the background um, and I'm, I'm, the house is probably I would say a good city block behind now my cell phone's not working so I actually actually had a lady she said you can use my phone yeah. so I called my editor and I was like okay house fire I hear the word entrapment and I said it's not anybody in the house It's a firefighter entrapment is it okay so you, I saw 20 firefighters working in this small corner of the porch they have their saws whatever. So the, the while we're sitting there, they're 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 working on this and they and you know that there's they're not pulling anybody out, there's something wrong. So I'm standing there with our photographer, our photographer's taking pictures as best he can. In the distance I see the um what we call lifelike, the medic, the Medevac helicopter land up on right. the other side of town. Yeah. And I see it land. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty severe. Now they do one thing to, to realize is that Um, not all the time do they call the medevac helicopter they will call the medevac helicopter for two reasons one it's a critical case or number two even if they don't need it they will call it because if for some unknown reason or something happens where you don't call it and that patient dies that's on you if you call the medevac and the medevac has a doctor And the doctor said this, and that you can transport this patient by ambulance, then it's on the Medevac, and doctor, it's not on you. It's the liability. So we're sitting there and they pull the firefighter out and they immediately put him on the stretcher and they take him down to the Medevac helicopter. Five minutes goes by, that helicopter's not taking off. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. I'm like, okay. Either there's no ambulance has gone by. Meanwhile, in the background, there's a big road that comes down the mountain over where Sunbury, the other town over. You see firefighters from Sunbury, Milton, Sealands Grove come in because they called for mutual aid. Um, and I never forget, like there was no, no ambulance moving, and you kind of hear the chatter, and it's the firefighter. He, he had, they call it expired. So okay, so. I call my boss at 3 a.m. I say, you know, I come back, and one of the things that you do in newspaper or you do in any media business is the one friend you need to make, and I'm not trying to be funny, is the coroner, because the coroner will tell you everything you need to know. Right. Um, I knew the North Harman County coroner at the time. He was on scene, and he had said, we have a fatality. I can't tell you the cause of death. I can't give you the person's name, but we have a fatality, and it is a firefighter. I said, Okay. So that changes things dramatically. Now you have a fire. Now that, that any kind of death changes things, but now you have a firefighter that has passed. Mm-hmm. So the emotion involved with the scene, the, the these firefighters that are that are just exhausted from doing this house fire. So we come back to the flat newspaper. Me and my, news, my like my morning editor comes in, brief him on the situation, um, and then I'm off. I'm off the next day. Here it turns out that this firefighter, not only was he a volunteer firefighter, he was a Pennsylvania state trooper. So now you have a firefighter and a Pennsylvania state trooper who has passed away. Um, You know, and it just took a whole, the story just a whole different dimension of this this man, this gentleman named Tim Diorio, who volunteer firefighter. Pennsylvania State Trooper lived in Cole Township, which is the neighboring area of Shimokan, lost his life fighting this fire. He got trapped on the porch. He pushed his fellow firefighters out of the way and he got trapped on the porch. Um, and also the the ensuing stories afterwards. I remember my first fire that I covered. He was there. And I remember very frankly, he was the fire was out and he was hanging out of the window taking his oxygen mask off because he was done finding the fire in the inside of the house. So now you have a firefighter has passed away in a very small town. You've had a state trooper that's passed away in a very small town. I and mean, the ensuing stories about his life and the, all the uh the ceremonial stuff that is going on. His viewing was at the local high school. The procession that followed was and you've seen where the the fire truck drapes the American flag. Mm-hmm. I mean, this shut down the whole town. Right. And I remember saying in the corner as they were going to the cemetery, it was the fire, his casket comes by on the, um, the the fire engine. And then it's the firefighter processional. Then it's the state trooper professional. And then the police professional because he was a law enforcement officer. So, you know, you think that you go to an ordinary story like a fire. Like, okay, it's a house fire. It's just going to be, all right, anybody injured, what's damaged? what's the cause, and it becomes something else. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think that these stories are going to be bland or a car accident. I mean, I've gone to several fatal car accidents and you know the dynamic of that is that you know you know that somebody somebody lost a mother somebody lost a father somebody lost a son daughter or whatever you, you just the story just you have you, you to work, work how you chain, You tell that story and, and you know it's about somebody's life or, or you know take care because this is something that's tragic that happens so you know spot news was you know you had your school war meetings you had your city council meetings they are pretty sewer, sewer authority meetings are pretty simple you know about bills and paying bills and millage which yeah. I never figured out but the spot news was what I always enjoyed because you never knew what you were um, going to get and I tie that into my job now like I would tell people, there's no two days alike in in sports info. There's No,
0: absolutely not. Absolutely
1: not. My day is not 9 to 5. My day is not this. My day is not that. Everything is going to be different.
0: Yeah. So how do you feel in those moments, though? And I know for me, I always felt kind of out of place, maybe awkward. Um, If it was a serious situation like that, I might not be as inclined to be as engaging with the people around um, something along those lines. How did you feel? Yeah. How did you process you, that? You
1: you learn about one of my report one of my buddies, Dave Rompolsky, who was an older not older, he was a little older than I am, and he was kind like, of mentoring this cover reporter. Is that how you work a scene? You know, you don't you don't go up to the police, you don't go up to you know, you say first thing like, ma'am, sir, are you okay? Like
0: mm-hmm. you don't
1: want to talk to somebody who's just experienced trauma. You don't you don't do that. You would be sensitive to the scene. And or you, you when the police are done you know, the best thing was with, you know, I got along with all the law enforcement officers. My uncle was a cop in my hometown. He was the chief police when I was like five years old. So they all knew my, my, my uncle, uh, my uncle Ron, um, how to work the police and say, you know, if the chief is there, hey, chief, can I grab you later? Can I talk to you later? And he was like, yeah, sure. Just call yeah. my office or whatever. Because, um, the you know, the chiefs or the Pennsylvania State Police, the corporals, you know the corporal would always be like, Hey corporal, can I grab you later? Or can I call you in your office? He's like, yeah, sure. Like when I get all the details, same way with the corner, you know, he would say, Hey, 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 Jim, Hey wax, you know, I can't tell you anything right now, but give me 24 hours when I get everything confirmed, give me a call, I'll help you out. You know, just what you need. I'm like, okay. Um, just how you approach the situation, the sensitivity of the situation. Same thing that ties into our job is SIDs when games are over. Um, it is when you're in a championship event one team has won a championship but also one team season may be over yeah. one student athlete's career may be over and you learn to how to give them there's that well, There's that cooling off period and you say i know it's tough to talk about these things and give you your time but when you are ready i need this i need that so um, it's just the same way from learning from that news thing turned right into sports was that okay how to work a scene, how do you work a championship game when one team has just had their season ended or maybe lost on a buzzer beater or maybe, um, you know, had a a great season that's cut short right away in the playoffs. You know, just how you approach it, you know, emotionally, you know, it's not about you, it's about, you know, about them. You You have a job to do, but you need to be sensitive to their needs. And that's one thing that I've learned is that's how to work a scene is that to make sure that people are comfortable talking about these things and Mm -hmm. just making sure that they're ready.
0: It sounds like you're giving people and even yourself a sense of detachment. I just finished um, the book literally last night called The Dichotomy of Leadership and it was a lot about uh, overseas war like the war in uh, Iraq and Ramadi and places like that and they always talk about as a leader or as a as a follower even, you have to kind of detach yourself from the situation, look back, see the entire picture, and not get so tunnel vision to where you might either, one, in, in, in your case and in any athlete's case out there, you're stepping on their toes, you're making them feel uncomfortable, you're mm-hmm. not maybe not even doing enough in that situation. So it sounds like there's a little bit of that going on with it.
1: Yeah, you just you step back for a second and, and look at the whole scene. And I, and I, 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 I reference that a little bit when I would do play-by-play and color commentary for football, basketball, whatever sports I could do in college and whatever, mm-hmm. is that the play-by-play guy, he is solely concentrated on the ball. Where in football, like the quarterback, you know, you're looking at everything but the ball. You're looking at the whole picture. You're mm-hmm. looking at, okay, what formation is the defense in? You know, what... How did that play come about? You just detach yourself from the situation and look at the whole picture. Um, and, and I and I try to do that. And and then, like you said in that book, with Iraq and Ramadi, you know, what we did as a as a, as a as a nation, you know, what we were there for, and the whole picture. You know, you know, you you need even more, but you have to look at what's what's the end game. What's right. what what is the overall you know, writing fact of what we are, what this country is going to do in wartime. And yeah, you look at the end game. And it's hard sometimes because you're so tunnel visioned on, right. okay, this one thing that's going on. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Yeah, it's just You just got to detach yourself from the situation.
0: Yeah. So um, you were out of sport for a little while. I mean, what yes. was life like that? Like for you, you always wanted to come back in. I mean, how did you work through those emotions? Because I know uh, all too well those Yeah, emotions.
1: it was tough stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I did regular news. I was a general assignment reporter and I, I worked in the mornings and I worked in the afternoons i would do, pick up occasional sports things here and there um but i was still helping at susquehanna because i lived at home for a little bit Shamokin, so i'd help out at susquehanna and i knew how to do stats and i would still keep abreast there help with the radio station so that that kind of satisfied my urge until i got back into um back into sports
0: let's see so when you do play-by-play and things like that and, and like you said the bigger picture and everything like that are you still involved with some of those things yeah quick? i still
1: am i do okay. i do help i do help um a couple of our schools here and there with play-by-play okay. you know i'm able to do play-by-play if someone needs me a call a school around here we're all looking for play-by-play guys and i enjoy doing it and mm. doing quality broadcast, you know you know, there's there's the students they are getting more into it, and I enjoy that, mm-hmm. but I'm a very – I call myself APL because I'm very Associated Press straight because I yeah. just write who, what, where, and why, and that's what right. I do when I – you know, I, I try to – you know, if I'm broadcasting for Rosemont, yeah, I'll shade a little bit towards Rosemont, but not go all the way home. I'll, I'll do the same thing because not only are Rosemont people listening, but I'll take, for example, last night they played Arcadia men's basketball and beat them. Pretty people listening. So, you want a fair broadcast on both sides of the fence. So, you know, obviously, when you listen to radio broadcasts of the like your hometown NFL team, yeah, they're going to be more shaded towards the team. But if you're listening to Westwood One, ESPN Radio, well, um, everybody. I, I will say a great announcer, and he's Indiana, was Illinois based. He went to Valpo, was Adam Amin. Adam Marine is amazing. I, I, I met him when he was doing mounting baseball in Somerset, New Jersey, and I was scoring for Camden, and now he's working for ESPN. He's a great young broadcaster. He's a great guy. He calls a great game, whatever. He's done everything. He's done wrestling. He's done lacrosse. He's done basketball. He's done football. And he calls everything and and, and brings the emotion in. But he doesn't get too one-sided. He he calls a great game. So that's one of the things that I try to emulate. Listening to him, you know, I'm still learning and evolving. I mean, we listen to, you know, Vin Scully and Harry Callis Uh when he was with the Phillies. Those type of guys. Um, you learn your craft and how to, um, how to better at it. So yeah, I still do it in that. I do enjoy that because you're telling a story in a different way. You know, you're telling people are watching a webcast, but you're given the, the nuts and bolts of the game.
0: So how does that, and you just kind of alluded to it there for just a split second. Uh, how does that kind of translate with how you cover teams, maybe in writing, maybe even pitching story out to the media?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, you tell the, the basics of the story. Like, I, I will reference this story that while we're sitting here, the one newspaper called me back and said, yes, they're interested, so we're going there. So yeah. we have a student-athlete in our conference. Uh, we awarded a Defensive Player of the Year Women's Soccer. Um, she was named the Defensive Player of the Year Women's Soccer. Well, here I find out two weeks after we nominate after she won it, is that she didn't play last year because she had cancer. So now, now I get the nuts and bolts from the coach. Well, how did this happen? You know, not the chair, cancer. But how did she get back into the flow of things? So right. now, when I called the Asbury Park Press, I said, "Okay, you know, she's women's soccer." I said, "Women's basketball," My mistake because I'm basketball in the brain. But I went back and said, "We have women's soccer. You know, didn't play last year. Played this year. Defensive player of the year. This, 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 and that. And you know, just telling the nuts and bolts of a story. Telling, okay, she was a defensive player on this team. Um, she didn't give up a goal all year in conference." they were amazing and just giving the you know telling us telling her story telling the this the, the the main parts of the story but saying okay i'm gonna give you the 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 framework it's up to you to put it together right but yeah. you tell it how you want this is how i'm telling it to you you can change it whatever you want to do but yeah that's that's what i do with play by play is when i tell a story you know and you you have the the folders that um, the anecdote like you can put notes uh-huh. like Adam does that with his with his folder with his chart.
0: Oh, I got folder. mine over so, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: You write down little notes and you ask, you know, ask the coach like, "Tell me about Joe Smith. What, what, what does he do off the court? What kind of what's his classes?" Like we had a student athlete or scientist named John Ward. John Ward was six foot nine, was a men's basketball player. He was a uh, an academic scholar. He was involved in physics. And we pitched a story to a local CBS affiliate about how he's good in basketball, and he would have these formulas that I had no clue what they were. <laughs> I'm not a the the podcast agent. Yeah. I don't know that stuff. But he did, and it was interesting to a story. Like I always tell people, like, okay, if I'm sitting home, I'm Joe Sixpack, and I'm watching, 11, watching the 6 o'clock news what do I want to, how do I tell this story to the average persons that they understand, like, you know, in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know, okay, John Ward, or Sinus men's basketball player, you know, six foot nine, averages 10 points a game, 10 rebounds, also has a 3.8 in physics, and went to MIT graduate school or Boston University. John, if you're listening, I forget where you went, but I know you went up there. <laughs> um, but, you know, telling that story, getting the nuts and bolts so that Whatever – how they decide to tell the story, you have the basic – they give them the basic facts so they can work it though right.
0: This question is kind of two-pronged. You spent a long time in in a a solo SID office, a lot of time working with a specific school. Now you're with a conference office and you did – and you mentioned to me uh, off air how Susquehanna had all these media markets, all these attention and everything. But now you're in a conference office Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. Yes. Like, one, yes. what was the change for you? How did you adjust? And two, uh, what's it like trying to get the attention for Division Three athletics in Philadelphia?
1: Well, it, it's t- it's tough because, um, like I said earlier, we have there are 28, 20 to thirty two schools in this region. There are six Division One schools. Uh, there are quite a number of Division Two schools that encompass Delaware, New Jersey. You know, we our media market stretches from just. Just to Allentown, that's kind of Philly area a little bit, Mm -hmm. south to Wilmington, east all the way to Atlantic City, and west towards Lancaster. So, you know, being in in a one-person shop at the time, you know, her sinus was in Montgomery County. I had the Pottstown, um, Pottstown Mercury. I had the Norristown Mm -hmm. Times Herald. But then, through acquisitions and everything else, those newspaper chains became one. So when I sent something to Pottstown, it went to Norristown, it went to Lansdale, it Mm -hmm. went to wherever. Um, now in a conference office, I have media, schools and media markets that are in Scranton, Allentown, Philadelphia. Um, we have two schools that are close to New York. We have one school that's way out in Chambersburg, which is the Harrisburg market, the trail end of the Harrisburg market, uh, even more south to Hagerstown, uh, Maryland. Uh, we have one school in Baltimore. So, you know, major media markets are tough. You, you pick and choose your battles where you want to get these stories in. And. I don't. I, I'm the method. I don't bombard newspapers all the time or media markets right, with yeah, stories. We have choose. a great guy in Philadelphia named Matt Leon for the KYW News Radio, the all new station here in Philadelphia, and he does a hodgepodge or a potpourri of stories. I mean, I hear stories about Westchester Rowan. Uh, we've had Ro- one of our schools, Rosemont, on there. Widener or I mean, you name it, and they're not basketball football there's soccer field hockey swimming Mm -hmm. lacrosse uh bowling i mean just all he tells a great story and just you know you got to pick and choose your battles and find the right time the niche and get it in there and that's when you get it in there and you get your story
0: so i want to we mentioned detachment a little bit and i know that in in our line of work a lot of people don't necessarily do that in the sense that they need a mental break or anything like that especially i'm sure in a conference office covering a lot of different schools a lot of different sports in a major media market. You kind of have to take a step back. So what's that been like for you? What does that look like for you, that detachment?
1: I mean, the detachment for me is that I, I you know, at five o'clock, you know, it's, it's it, you know, during the, during the off hours, I don't check my email as much. As long as there are no, the events going on, there are no issues. You know, I'll, I'll be at an event tonight just because I'm at Brynathen. And, you know, I have a three forty-five a.m. wake up call tomorrow to go to the airport. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go home and pack and nap a little bit. Um, I think for the attachment for me is just, you know, when I was at her sinus, it was her sinus 24-7, you know, working 60 hours a week, and that's not here. you you mentally fry And just, you know, when I get a chance in downtime, I just shut my computer off or put my phone away and just kind of read a little bit, you know, spend time with my two kids. I have a 10-year-old, a 4-year-old, um, you know, and just kind of just, the, you know, being a parent and being a dad. You know, this gets me that detachment from from being, you know, on call all the time.
0: I know for me, one thing that has changed a little bit as far as that has been concerning for my mental health is, um, I turned off the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I turned off all those notifications. Yes, I do that too. Yeah, and I I I got my time back one hundred percent, and I think that, and you might agree with this, in a world where, where. People might get too tied up into that, into the notifications, especially in our line of work, could be a little difficult, wouldn't you say?
1: Yes, it is. It's tough because you're always on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I still don't know how to Instagram works. I'll be honest. I don't know how it works, but I, I figured it out, I guess. But, you know, there's like – and, and it, things with me because I have Instagram on my phone and it's the conference Instagram when people start liking it. And usually student athletes will like that. That's one thing I've learned is that you post something late at night, like 10 o'clock, student athletes are up and they're liking it. So, like, my phone will just – you know, I turn it the sound off, but I'll just look and see, like your post, like your post, like your post, like your, your post, stuff like that. So, you know, I, I get that. And that's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to – to, you know, I have my phone on me. I just put my phone down, and you know, when I'm at dinner with my kids, I put my phone down, or, or you know, when doing Chase's homework, I put my phone down. So it, it's it's there's that the sense of detachment that you need because you will go, you will go nuts. You well, will.
0: Yeah. What What was that kind of adjustment like for you in the beginning? Because I know for a lot of people, and I'm a part of a, a men's group that um, that likes to put their phone away. Uh, And they said for them it was incredibly difficult because you're. I guess it's FOMO, the fear of missing out.
1: Yeah, you're gonna miss something. Yeah, that's what I get, and I and I get better at it. You know, I get better every day. Sometimes I just put my phone in my pocket and don't worry about it. Um, So yeah, I mean it's 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 good, and it's just you know just you just have to get trained to it. Like I know tomorrow when I fly to Orlando, I have a three. Two and a half hour flight to Fort Lauderdale. For some reason, I had to change to Fort Lauderdale to go to Atlanta. So I'm going down. You know the Southwest math. The Southwest route route is like one time I I when I was covering gymnastics, I had to go to uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. But my, my flight from Philadelphia to Chicago got canceled, and there was another flight that day, because I was going to drive from Chicago to La Crosse. So the Southwest way to get there was I went from Baltimore to Atlanta to Minneapolis. I went down and then back up. So that's just the way I have. But for those two and a half hours. No one can call me, no one can text me, they can email me, I'm not gonna get it, so I just sit on that flight and you're 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 shut off from the world until that plane lands and then your your phone will blow up when you you know, when you turn it on as they're taxiing into the gate. Everybody does that. Yeah. And then when you're in the air you have that two and a half hour, you know, sense of, okay, I'm free. I can shut, take, take my mind and just shut things off. So there's there's that. And that's what I'm looking for tomorrow is two and a half hours of just being on a plane and not having to worry about emails and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think more people need to do that. I think that that should be a challenge for our listeners um, is in order to uh, get your life back. I, I think I use that phrase off air. Uh, yeah, get you your life to. back. Yeah. Uh, turn off the notifications. And, and like uh, Wags just said, maybe try to find time to where you might be up in the air. Maybe, yes. in a sense. So, um, anyway, I'd like to transition this part of the interview to where we like to ask some fun questions. Sure. First one I have for you is a favorite memory of your professional tenure.
1: Alright, um, I think my favorite memory of my professional tenure was when I was in our my first year. We hosted the Field Hockey Final Four. Hmm. We went to the Men's Basketball Final Four, which by the way you can't say Division Three; It's the semifinals. You've got to know from the Institute of Lakes. It's trademarked Division I. Um, <laughs> which was funny. And I was like, okay, I get it. Uh, yeah. And then softball had a really good year. But just watching our Men's Basketball team making that run, I will never forget um, it didn't hit me that we were going to the semifinals until six seconds left. We were playing the Coach Guard Academy. And Coast Guard Academy coached by, uh, it was Coach Barry. You know, very nice man, standout guy. They had a great team that year. And, and I don't know if you know about the Coast Guard Academy is that you mm. can't be taller than six foot. I think it's six foot ten. Wow. Jason Southern would, would probably correct me. If I'm right. Sully, if you're listening, I, I'm guessing if I'm wrong, just shoot me an email. But, you know, they had a very good team and we beat them in overtime to go to the national semifinals. And you, the clock is ticking down six, five, four. And it's like, oh, wow, we're going to like it just hits me. It's like, we're going to the finals. We're going to the, the semifinals. I mean, storm, to, storm to court, everything else. That was one of my, my great memories. Um, another one was Dan Mullen, who's now the head coach at the University of Florida, when he was at Mississippi State. he's going to sign a salon. Oh, I didn't know We, that. Pitched, we pitched, yes, we pitched the story to the Inquirer and the Daily News, the two major newspapers in Philadelphia, about Dan. Dan is from Delaware County originally. Um, and his ties to her sinus, and how he went from being a tight end or sinus to a you know, a head coach at a major SEC school. And I believe that was the year that they beat either, I think Auburn was number one at that point. It might have been 2014, they were number one. Well, I'll never forget that Friday, waking up and front page, bottom fold story on Dan Mullen that we pitched. Back page of the Philadelphia Daily News with the tabloid paper, a picture of Dan Mullen. I mean, to have that in your professional career or sign us on the front page of two metropolitan newspapers in the same day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's just the free advertising. So those are two of the things that stick out the most in my professional tenure. Um, obviously now being in the conference office, handing out championship plaques was great. Uh-huh. You shake hands. And, and you, you see that this year, especially with the transition in our conference, uh, we lost five members. We added two more. You know, we've had some teams that have won a championship for the first time, and just seeing the excitement and the joy of them winning a conference championship has just
0: been amazing. Uh, my uh, great uncle used to be uh, head of the Alumni Association of Mississippi State. Okay. Let me tell you, not a fan of Dan Mullen.
1: No, not anymore. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. But, but Joe Moore is doing a great job down there. He did a great yeah. job at Penn State. He's doing a great job at Mississippi State.
0: <laughs> um, what about on the other side of the coin? What's your uh, biggest horror story?
1: Oh boy. Oh boy. Let me think. Um I don't know if there's really too much of a horror story. And that's okay. You know, I've had I've had games where I was at Holy Family Division Two where a guy came over my computer and smashed it. You know, my computer didn't work for the rest of the game. You know, it wasn't he was trying to get a rebound. He went over and he, he, oh,
0: he not make okay. his fall. Yeah, that's um, a lot better. I thought he you know, like came over and just No. Closed no, he
1: just you know, he did that's I rephrased that he was it was it was not his fault. No.
0: Um
1: you know, just I think one of the one of the not horror stories one of the sad moments was we had a, a wrestler who was an alumni who passed away in a car accident and um, you know just dealing with the student athletes at that time was hard and it's not a horror story it's just it's just seeing a life cut yeah. short and um, just just those things that just. You take you don't take life for granted. You take you live every day of what you can do. So, I mean, there's never really a horror story where we've had where computers crashes and student workers don't show up, and the microphone goes out, the national mm. anthem doesn't work. Oh yeah, you know, you've had those, but nothing mm. nothing too major. Nothing too major.
0: All right then. Well, what is uh, one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession?
1: I would think that the piece of advice is that you need to just remember this is a job. And we are not. This is not life or death. We're not surgeons, we're not airline pilots. That doesn't demean what we do, but no one's gonna die if you don't give that one person an assist. No one's gonna die if the website's not updated until tomorrow. Just relax, remember that you need to take care of yourself first, you know, and and make sure that your mental health is important. And I will be open and honest, I'm big on mental health. I, I had a mental health breakdown in August which caused me to be hospitalized for a week. Um, and since that, I've been a different person. Um, and I, I, I've, I've learned to not sweat the small stuff, control the things that I control. You know, therapy has been great for me, going to see a therapist every week, every two weeks, talking to her for an hour. I mean, I, and I tell people this, like, SIDs, look, we all have health care.
0: Mm. We all
1: get one free exam a year. Go. You, there's no shame in going to therapy. Go, call. No, like, absolutely if you absolutely not. If you, don't, if you don't know where to go, there's on the back of your medical card, there's a number. Call them. And they'll help you get into some place. If you have, sometimes it could be 25 bucks. If you have an FSA card, put on the FSA card. Don't worry about it. Um, You know, just talking to somebody. uh, And I had a friend who's going through a very rough time. Um, I'm going through a very rough personal time in my life right now. Um, And, and, you know, just reaching out to him today, he was like, thank you for calling. And the same thing that I do to people when someone's like, are you okay? And I can say, no, I'm not. And I this is what's going on. Um, don't take your mental health for granted that's the most important thing in the world don't take your mental health for granted if you're not feeling right mentally tell somebody you, know, you also have in work sometimes we have these free um, they call it employee assistance programs you call them you can talk to somebody for, for an hour and it's free and it's confidential no one's going to know and it will just, you will just feel better because there's nothing that nothing that no one has seen before And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're able to help you get through it and you'll feel it's 10 times better.
0: And and I like that you say that. I like that you mentioned that about the therapy and everything because I – I, I think we talked about this last August in, in our episode. I can't remember quite who it was, but people in Eastern cultures are, are more expected to talk about that sort of thing, about the tough stuff. And then over here, we kind of like shun from it. And I and and, I, and like you just said, I could say this just fine, is that I also go to therapy. I go once every month. Yes. Um, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not depressed. I'm a pretty happy guy. Right. So, I I'm, I mean, there's no shame in doing it. And the, the dialogue definitely needs to uh, change about that sort of thing. So, Um, I'm sure people out there, uh, I'm sure that this is coming at the right time for somebody and somebody definitely needs to hear it, but, um,
1: Hey, hey, I'm always, if you could email me anytime you want, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter at WAGSSID. If you're listening to this and you don't know where to start, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to take the time to talk to you. Um, you know, I'm more than happy to help you any way that I can. Believe me, you know, this is the most important thing we're facing in our lifetime is mental health. You know, there's physical health, but there's mental health. I, I, I go back to. Um, you know, uh, Creed two, just came out. Dolph Lundgren, you know, great actor. Well, people say I say he's a great actor. He's been in a lot of movies that haven't been in the theaters. I mean, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of him. He did a movie with Denzel, um, oh, Montel Williams, not Denzel Washington. Montel uh-huh. Williams. It's called The Peacemaker. It's a buddy picture. It wasn't bad. You know, uh-huh. Roy Schneider was in it. I mean, it was straight to DVD. But you know, he just did a talk about how growing up, he had a hard time mentally, and he now. Did, just did a TED Talk about mental health that is important in these you know, people's lives. So there's no shame in saying you're not okay. If you, you're having an issue, you know, talk to somebody. And if you don't know where to go, talk to your HR department or, heck, call me and I can help you out. I'm always open.
0: So we will get uh, WAGS' contact information here in just a few questions. But um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession?
1: Um, in this profession, I... I'm learning more about administrative duties. I think my next goal in life is to, to, now I'm an athletic administrator, I'm an assistant commissioner. So my next goal in the next five years is to be an eight commissioner or an AD or an associate AD, you know, an administrative role. I've done 15 years in sports info. Um, In some places, it's an administrative role. In some places, it's not. Um, That's my next step is to oversee, you know, more of, the day-to-day operations of, a, of an athletic department. So that's my next goal in life is to, to go in that route.
0: In your mind, what characteristics or traits make a good SID?
1: Um, you have to be patient. You know, you're yeah. going to have coaches that think their program is important. So you got to be patient, uh, be fair. Um, you know, work with the media members as best you can. Um, don't let yourself get walked over and just, um, just make sure to be calm, and yeah, it's going to hit you all at once, there's going to be 50 things going on, but just control the controllables, what you can control, and everything will work out.
0: Next time someone's in the Philadelphia area, or, or uh, is it where, the Rosemont, is that where the...
1: Rosemont is, Rosemont's on the main line, Rosemont is actually behind Villanova, it's oh, okay. exactly behind Villanova, so um, Rosemont is where our headquarters are, I'm right. at Brynathen. Brynathen, is in brath and pa which is just north of the city um so yeah so um, we basically we have schools in philadelphia we have another one in langhorn um so we've got we've got a bunch of number of schools
0: okay well next time someone is in that area what's your restaurant or bar recommendation
1: all right so when you're in philadelphia it depends where you're at if you're in delaware county the best place to go is tom and jerry sports bar it's right off 95 off the first exit coming north first exit going for last exit coming south before it um, it's the Blue Route. We call it the Blue Route, it's 476, because when PennDOT had, there were three drawings. There was a Blue Route, a Red Route, and there was another one. The Blue one is what they picked to finish. Um, it's right, exit one off the Blue Route. It's in Prospect Park. Great wings, fresh roast beef. It's phenomenal. If you're in Montgomery County, you know, you've got a, a literally of choices to go to. Uh, my favorite is the Fireside and Ambler. That's off the Turnpike. Uh, great pizza, great wings. Um, if you're in Bucks County, a uh, place called, um, oh, what the heck is it? Uh, it's going to come to me in a minute. It's going to come to me at 3 a.m., yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's in, it's in Leviton okay. across from Pensbury High School. Again, Great Wings Pizza, nice bar place. Philadelphia, you go to Patrigino's. You can go to South Street. Um, you can go to DeLisandro's, which is up by uh, Jefferson University up in the Roxborough Session. If you go there, it's cash only. No credit cards. It's cash only, so remember you have cash. Um, great cheesesteaks, great sauce. I mean, there's a literally places you can go, but those are some places that I that I hit. Chester County, um, which is where Westchester is, uh, PJ willahans which is right outside of Westchester. Um, you can't go wrong there.
0: I'm um, A wings
1: person, as you can tell. So that's yeah, perfect.
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, for a guy like me, that sounds. Uh, Philadelphia sounds like the place to be. Uh, how do you? Uh, how do you tell your kids? Uh, what do you describe to them? How what you do your job for?
1: Um, I tell Daddy goes to sporting events and Daddy (laughs) will make sure everybody plays nice in the sandbox and everything else. So, you know, my 10-year-old son, he's into Star Wars and – he's into Star Wars and Fortnite. I don't know what the heck Fortnite is, but he's into Fortnite. I can never get into Uh, it. Neither could I. So he's into that, but he's – you know. He, he he doesn't watch sports, is what well. you know. I've, I've taken him to sporting events and things like that, so I just tell him that daddy works at sporting events and he understands it.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, um, you kind of gave us a little hint of how to get in contact with you a few questions ago, but uh, what well, if, if anybody want to follow up with you, have any questions for you? What would be the uh, best way to do it?
1: Twitter is at Wags, S-I-D, wagssid, w a g s s i d. My email is jwagner at csacsports Sports dot org, and you can Facebook me. I'm at james wagner you know i'm from king of prussia so i'm on there um by all means reach out to me any way that i can and i'm more than happy to help you
0: well perfect well wags thank you very much for coming on we all do appreciate it
1: thanks for the time i appreciate it
0: Well, guys, there you have it. We will be back next week with Maddie Heaps. She is a GA at Eastern Michigan, I believe. Uh, and we will talk a little bit with her about her time, uh, Yipsilani. Uh, we had to kind of pause our recording Um so that she could wait until after the football season. So uh, look forward to that next week. Also be on the lookout for our announcement on Monday of the opening. Uh, we will be accepting applications on Monday for the cast huddle uh, program, a blogging thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and listen to the intro. Either that or go to sidcast.fireside.fm slash articles slash 90 days. 90 days. That is what that, uh, all one word. That is what the uh, title of the blog post is called. We will have more of that to come. Super excited for that. But for now, guys, we would like to thank you all for listening and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.